If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad Podcast. I want to thank you guys uh, for taking the time to tune in again this week. Uh, My guest today is Lucas Lang. He is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Probably Genetic. Uh, Probably Genetic is working very hard to make uh, genetic testing as accessible to families as possible. Uh, I've been sort of consulting with them for about the last year, helping them to better understand the unique needs uh, that autism families have and how they can make something like genetic testing more accessible to families like mine. Um, What I want to do today is have a conversation uh, with Lucas about uh, genetics in general, uh, the types of genetic testing that is available, and why it's so important for kids diagnosed with autism to be genetically tested. Uh, we'll talk about some of the roadblocks in our current healthcare system that that are limiting access to genetic testing, and more specifically, what they're doing to help uh, families like mine obtain genetic testing. So uh, it's a really interesting conversation. Genetics is, is absolutely fascinating, and, and I'm hoping that this will help you guys better understand the important role that genetics play uh, in the diagnosis process for things like autism. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. The Autism Debt is brought to you by Mightier. Mightier is a fantastic program out of Harvard Medical and Boston Children's uh, that uses a wrist strap, heart rate monitor, and video games to help your child learn to emotionally self-regulate. That means fewer meltdowns. Um, it works for any kid cause it's biofeedback, uh, for kids. And it, so it works for anyone. Uh, but it's especially effective in kids who are on the autism spectrum. Uh, as you may or may not know, uh, kids on the autism spectrum can have a more difficult time, uh, with emotional self-regulation. 
Uh, my kids are no exception to that. And, and what this does is it, is it finds an engaging way to, to teach them to recognize the feelings in their body, their emotions, and, and it rewards them with better gameplay by, by keeping those emotions in check and calming themselves down and keeping their heart rate in, in, a, in a certain place. It's, it's, it's brilliantly simple. Uh, it's proven science. They have proven that it reduces meltdowns up to 60%. That's good for the whole family. When your child is less stressed out and they're not experiencing distress, they're happier. You know, when they're in a better place as parents, our stress level uh, is lower. And, and so it's a positive thing for the whole family. It's fun. It's engaging. Uh, my kids love it. And they offer a 30-day free trial. So there's no risk. You can give it a try. If you don't like it, you can just send it back. Uh, you can find out more information and read about my journey with my son uh, using this program uh, at theautismdad.com forward slash mightier. That's theautismdad.com forward slash mightier. All right. So welcome to the show, Lucas. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this a second time because we had some technical issues the uh, first time around. Thanks, Rob. And I appreciate you making time to record it again. My pleasure. Can you give us a little bit uh, more about your background? Kind of tell us, because uh, I know you're in genetics, but can you give us a little bit of your uh, expertise, I guess? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm actually a chemical engineer by training and um, landed in healthcare almost serendipitously. I was doing research work um, on diagnostic devices in uh, Cambridge at the University of Cambridge in the UK and sat next to somebody who was working on genetics. And she, um, over the course of several months, um, taught me a whole lot. And at the end of that stay, I decided that genetics is where um, you know my future would lie, primarily because um, the for one impact you can have on people by doing really good work and by you know, going the extra mile and putting in extra hours is I think the highest in healthcare compared to any other field. And second of all, genetics is really, really difficult. Um, and it, I think it, you know, tickled that uh, or scratched that itch that um, as a as a you know science and technology guy I always had. Um, so I did that in Cambridge and then decided I'm going to go and uh, do a PhD program in genetics to really dive into the depth of this. And I um, got really lucky, um, won a Rhodes Scholarship to go to Oxford, and um, started my uh, PhD in uh, rare genetic conditions over there, um, which I'm still involved in right now as a candidate, and I'm currently finishing up. And um, while I was, you know, doing the research for my PhD, um, I started noticing that um, the what we call the diagnostic odyssey is a huge problem for our patients. Um, the diagnostic odyssey describes the, on average, eight years that people affected by rare genetic conditions spend with extremely severe and complex symptoms without knowing what's causing those symptoms. And those diseases can look like anything. Um, sometimes we would know them as ALS. So a lot of people have heard of the ice bucket challenge, Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, other times um, we'll talk about athletes who die of sudden cardiac death and nothing, nobody knows what's going on when a lot of those cases are rare genetic diseases. And sometimes um, they present themselves as neurodevelopmental conditions where part of the symptomatic presentation um, could be something like autism, but it's not the only thing that's going on with those kids. And so that's how, um, that's how you and I got in touch. Yeah. When, when we talk about genetic testing, uh, what exactly is 
genetic testing and uh, why is it so important? Yeah, super fair question. I'm, I'm sorry, I always like diving right at the deep end. Um, so genetic testing fundamentally describes that we try to figure out if in the blueprint that dictates what our bodies look like, so our DNA, if there are any spelling errors in that that could cause us to have a disease. Um, the DNA consists, you can think of the DNA as basically a huge textbook that consists of 3.2 billion letters, G's, A's, T's, and C's, and they they describe what your body's going to look like and how your physiology works. And um, if you've got a spelling error in that, um, so if you know a G turns into an A or if a T turns into a C, it can happen that people get diseases. Um, one example that a lot of people might have heard of is um, a gene called BRCA1 and another gene called BRCA2, um, which became really famous uh, because of Angelina Jolie, because certain mutations in those genes can cause breast cancer in women. Um, and so when we talk about genetic testing, really what we mean is we look into that book that describes how our body works, and we try to figure out if there are any spelling errors in there that could cause the symptoms that a patient is experiencing. Okay. Um, so there are there are a few different types of, of genetic testing. Um and I'll, we'll get to like the stuff that you get over the counter, like 23andMe and Ancestry uh, a little bit later. Um, is like, what, what are the main types of genetic testing that people would be considering if they have some kind of rare uh, condition? Sure. Um, I'm going to highlight um, four different types of tests here. Okay. So this is usually if you, if you go and see your pediatrician with your kid or you go and see your physician, this would be the type of testing that they order. Um, the oldest technology that we have there and that's still the most commonly used one is something called a chromosomal microarray, a CMA, or a microarray, as some people call it. Um, the technology is roughly from the 80s. And if you remember the analogy of, you know, the book with 3.2 billion letters in it, what a chromosomal microarray does is it doesn't look for individual spelling mistakes in individual letters, but it looks for large rearrangements. So that would mean if one chapter in your book is at a different position than where it should be because that can cause disease. And in um, neurodevelopmental uh, conditions, um, including autism, the success likelihood of a chromosomal microarray is something like 10 to 15%. So 10 or maybe 15 out of 100 people that get tested um, get a result out of that. Then the next level up um, in terms of how likely is it that I get a result um, is what we call a gene panel where um, scientists have figured out that, for example, the, a specific set of 200 genes, we've got 25,000 genes, a specific set of 200 genes are related to conditions uh, that patients have. And um, then they test um, those 200 genes in patients to see if they carry mutations or, in other words, so those spelling mistakes. That would basically, in the, in the book analogy, mean that we um, have 200 sentences in our book and we just look at those sentences and try to figure out if there's a mutation or a spelling spelling mistake in those sentences. And then the next step up from that is something that we call whole exome sequencing. That's what we do. Um, whole exome sequencing means that you read all 25,000 genes in the human body and try to figure out if those have spelling mistakes in them or mutations that could cause disease. Um, about 85% of all um, disease-causing mutations that we know to date lie in those genes. 
if you um, test a cohort of 100 kids with neurodevelopmental disorders with whole exome sequencing, you have a success rate of something like 35%. And then finally, the next level up is, um, and this is the highest grade testing we can currently do, is something called whole genome sequencing, where we don't just look at the 25,000 genes, which make up 2% of your DNA, but we look at the entire book, all 3.2 billion letters, everything that's in there. And um, whole genome sequencing really, from an effectiveness perspective, is kind of like combining a chromosomal microarray and a whole exome and then a few other things. And it's got the highest likelihood of success. It's something like, you know, 40, 45%, depending on who you ask. The caveat is it's also by far the most expensive test you can do. Um, okay. So, so the most common then would be, um, whole exome sequencing, right? Yeah. So the most common test still today is the chromosomal microarray, but, um, the Boston Children's Hospital, which is one of the best, um, hospitals in the United States for our kids, mm-hmm. um, updated their guidelines last year in August to say that now, the first test that should be done for any kid with an autism diagnosis um, is whole exome sequencing. Okay. Simply because our likelihood of success is much higher. Okay. So I guess that leads me to my next question then. Yeah. Who should be genetically tested? Like what um, like what goes on in a person's life that makes them feel like, hey, I should I should get this checked out? Yeah, so the numbers on this stuff are actually crazy. Um, because it depends on how you look at it. So if you said, um, if you say who should get genetically tested, there are two ways of looking at this. The first one is who has a chance of having a rare genetic disease. And latest estimates show us that 10% of the population, so in the U.S., over 30 million people have a rare genetic disease. That means those people are sick, they have symptoms, and what's causing their symptoms is a genetic disease. So there is one argument that could be, if the likelihood is 10%, if you randomly pick somebody from the street and test them, everybody should get tested. That's a little radical. Um, the other argument is um, if people have, or primarily kids, have really complex health concerns, meaning not just one system in your body is affected, you know, not just behavior, but um, other things factor in as well. So, for example, if your child also has seizures, um, if uh, there are developmental concerns, if there are, um, you know, intestinal bowel disorder-like concerns, if there are cardiovascular concerns, if you have a multitude of symptoms like that, and you have not yet been able to get a definitive answer of what's going on with your kid, genetic testing it could be a feasible option. So my son Gavin would be a good example of that, where he has just this bizarre collection of rare conditions that uh, nobody can really f- find answers to. Um, and, and so, so kids who have complicated medical problems would be prime candidates for, um, for genetic testing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if, if, if something like this is so important and like Boston Children's says where they, you know, any kid diagnosed with autism should have a whole exome sequencing, why is it so hard to get this done? I think that's a really important question. And I think the answer, unfortunately, is um, time, because we only got the um, human reference genome, which taught us how to read um, human DNA in 2001. 
And the type of testing that we do now, where we can super quickly test one person's entire genetic material for relatively not a lot of money, that technology is simply super, super new. So whole exome sequencing is something that we've only been able to do for roughly 10 years now. Um, whole genome sequencing less than that. And even three years ago, I've talked to parents who got whole exome sequencing done and it still cost them, uh, you know, upwards of $10,000 per person. So we're, you know, the word is, it's, it's getting a lot better. And then in healthcare insurances are starting to slowly adopt this stuff, but I think it's still going to be a few years before this becomes widely accessible. Okay. Uh, and I, and I will like my personal experience is, is such that, uh, the current wait for Gavin to have, uh, sequencing done, it was something like 52 weeks. Like they were, they weren't, wow. they weren't even scheduling for an entire year. And that was just mm. to get an appointment to be seen. And yeah. then however long the process takes after that, I'm, I'm not sure of, but a year is a long time to wait, uh, uh, for answers. And so that's, that's definitely a problem. And so then that leads me to what you guys are doing with uh, Probably Genetic. Um, what is Probably Genetic? It's a brilliant sure. name. Brilliant, brilliant name, by the way. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, Probably Genetic is a genetic testing company where um, we try to find as many undiagnosed rare genetic condition patients as we can as fast as possible and as early as possible in their journey. Because we think if we can tell patients and parents what's causing a child's symptoms, the earlier we can do that, the faster you can try to work on improving outcomes for those kids. So that's really what our main mission is. And the way that our service works is we recognize that problem that you just mentioned, that it takes people ages, you know, upwards of a year to even see a clinical geneticist who then orders testing. So that's why we built an online service where um, you can basically use it like 23andMe, except that we do actual, uh, you know, clinical clinical testing. Um, so parents can just visit our website, type in their information, um, including some family history and medical information. Then a physician on our end, we've got a nationwide physician network, reviews um, their information. And if testing is appropriate, then the physician orders testing automatically. And um, parents can get get a testing kit shipped home. Um, you guys use the saliva kit. We're soon going to have a mm -hmm. cheek swab as well. And um, and then results are returned within six to eight weeks. So it's, it's really fast. And we think it's... Um, really price competitive compared to what you would pay even if uh, your insurance would cover part of the cost. Okay. And what specific type of uh, genetic testing does Probably Genetic currently offer? Yeah. Um, right now we do a whole exome sequencing test. Okay. We thought a lot about which type of testing we offer. And we think whole exome sequencing right now is in line with what medical guidelines say. And it's the best balance between your chance of getting a result because the likelihood is really high and the cost of the test. Okay. And so what are the, so let's say uh, somebody listening knows that their child needs to be genetically tested. Um, yeah. but, but there's sort of, there's that whole healthcare thing right now where, where there's just, um, that weight and then insurance issues. What would be the benefits of having testing done uh, through you guys versus um, like the standard uh, healthcare system? Yeah, um, super fair question. 
I think it's basically three things. The first one is we are by far the fastest way to get this testing done. So the average person waits um, over a year, 13 months to get testing like this done. We can do this within six to eight weeks for people. The second one is we are the cheapest way to do this. The average person, even if they get their insurance to cover part of the cost, still pays $1,300 or more to get this testing done. Um, our test is currently $899. And the third point is we do the highest quality testing you could possibly do. Um, all of our samples are run in a, what's called a ClearCap certified lab facility that does thousands of tests a year. And we've got the best bioinformatics team um, that does your result analysis. There's always two independent PhD level analysts who look at the data in parallel. And then there is a certified lab director who signs off any results. Once we've found a result, we um, schedule a genetic counseling session for our families um, where people get explained in simple terms what these results mean and what actionable next steps are. And then beyond that, we support our customers for life with continuous updates um, on um, really any information they could need for their care. Okay. So then um, when, you, when you guys set out to to accomplish this, what what types of things specifically were you trying to do to to make this more accessible to families like mine? Because when you have mm. when you have kids with complicated health uh, or fragile health or just a multitude of of challenges, uh, one of the biggest obstacles is financial, right? And yeah, uh, and, and then when you have kids that have serious problems, uh, the weight uh, can be a problem, you know. Yeah. Like, like it's one thing if you're trying to find your ancestry and you can you can wait a year for that to come in because there's nothing critical about that. But <laughs> you don't need to urgently find out if you're a quarter yeah, Hispanic, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but if you have a child that has uh, some kind of neurological or degenerative thing going on, like like Gavin does, a year can make a huge difference. And yeah. so, so what were you guys sort of targeting when you when you decided to to do this? Yeah, um, so I can give you some history on that. So the the very original ambition when Hardy and I started working on this in 2016 um, wasn't actually to build a testing service. We thought the main problem we need to solve, and we we still think that, is to find undiagnosed patients early. Because when those kids are starting to have symptoms, their parents don't even know to think this could be a genetic condition. So we, we thought we need to use our technological skills, Harley, as you know, is a, is a theoretical astrophysicist, to build tools to find those people already and tell them what your kid is experiencing right now is different from what every other kid is experiencing. Your kid just went into a seizure because they've got a genetic condition, and you need to do testing now to find out exactly what's causing this. So we initially, we wanted to build that. And our naive thinking at the time was, We'll build this tool. We'll be able to find people really efficiently. And once we found them, we can just offer a button on our website where they can request testing and they'll easily get a super cheap test and it's all going to be great. The problem is offering that button so that people can access testing really quickly and cheaply is, as it turns out, incredibly difficult. So when we started um, you know, really digging into the depth of that over a year ago, um, almost a year and a half ago, um, we discovered that the existing clinical genetics labs charged north of $2,500 for every single one of these tests. And after you know, trying to negotiate with so many of them, we decided, okay, to hell with this, we're going to build it ourselves. 
So the what we spent the better part of the last year on is building up the service infrastructure where instead of having to wait for over a year to see a physician who might order testing for you, you can request it on our website. And instead of paying over two and a half thousand dollars, you can pay eight ninety nine. Um a lot of time and energy went into building that up, but that's that's the first thing we did. Um in addition to that, what we are what we have in the works, but I can't say that it's launched yet, is we know that um particularly families with children with complex health problems have incredibly high medical expenses already. And um shelling out hundreds of dollars in one go for somebody to cover testing is almost impossible for some families. So what we are working on are ways to potentially offer payment plans or break up the payment into several installments. Um, we can't, we can't do that yet, unfortunately. So as a, as a shortcut for right now, we're heavily discounting those tests so that we can get the first few families in the door. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically it. The Autism Dad is brought to you by AngelSense. Did you know that roughly 51% of kids with autism will wander from a place of safety uh, to a body of water, train tracks, uh, busy intersections, and other places of danger? Uh, This is not a sign of bad parenting or a bad child. It's a phenomenon that occurs within the autism community at epidemic levels. And unfortunately, a lot of times it ends in tragedy. The only way that you can truly uh, help increase the odds of a safe recovery is immediate intervention, and AngelSense gives you the tools to do that. Um, we've been using it in my house since early 2019, and I really, really like it. Uh, you have so many options uh, with with AngelSense. You can track your child back and forth to school. You can set up perimeters uh, and barriers so that you're notified the moment your child enters or leaves a designated area. There's real-time uh, tracking. There is two-way voice. There's SOS features. And what's really cool is when you talk to somebody at AngelSense, you're talking to a parent of a child who wanders so they get it. Uh, So if you want more information about AngelSense, visit theautismdad.com forward slash AngelSense. That's theautismdad.com forward slash AngelSense, and you'll be directed for more information. All right. So we sort of talked about the process. Um, so basically, if if genetic testing has been recommended to them in order in order to avoid this whole the whole weight uh, in our current healthcare system, people can uh, go to the website and uh, um, request uh, kind of like a review. And these are these are third party doctors, like they don't like you don't employ them. Yeah, exactly. It's an independent physician network, and the word independent here is important because. The, those physicians' job is to protect patients, and they also they don't they don't serve our interests as a company. They serve the patients' interests. So what that means is, if you get a test on our website, if you request a test, then your request is reviewed by a physician, and there are you know trained and licensed physicians who look at your information and decide if this test makes sense for that patient. And so, for example. We've had people come to our website who think they really want a clinical genetic test for whatever reason. Um, but if the reason is not one that is that makes sense for genetic testing, those physicians aren't going to approve testing because we want to avoid that people who already have really complex problems in their lives also spend hundreds of dollars on a test that isn't going to help them. 
So for example, we get people coming in who have, really have infectious disease concerns or um, who have symptoms that are simply not consistent with any genetic conditions we know. And we think the the physician review basically serves two purposes. On the one hand, it accelerates the entire process by literally a year and it makes it much cheaper. And the, on the other hand, it protects patients from purchasing something that might not help everybody. So we think it's actually a good quality filter. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, they'll go to the website and they'll they'll be they'll have their request reviewed by a third party doctor, and then if it is approved, uh, they go through the the process that you guys have on your website, and then a kit is sent out. and And we just recently yeah. we just recently did this. Um, and, and the kits are really simple. Um, they're really kind of, I, I don't know. I thought they were kind of cool the way they were set up. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> and, and two of my kids were, were tested and, and the process for giving the sample was really easy. They basically just spit in a tube and, and then seal it up and you send it back. Um, we didn't really have any issues, uh, like, like he was able to do it on his own, like supervising to make sure that there weren't, you know, he, he was doing it properly, but he was able to do it on his own. So it was, it was a really simple process. Uh, and so then we ship it back. And, uh, at the, at this point in time, we know that the, the samples were, uh, high quality, um, DNA or how, however you word that. Uh, mm. so, so now they're going to be sequenced, I think. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll get results back and then we'll speak with a genetic counselor. And, and then the cool thing is, um, and this touches on something else that I wanted to, to bring up was, uh, as science advances, you guys are able to sort of review previous, uh, results, right? And so if, if you're able to identify things in the future that you can't identify now with their sample, you can, with their information, you can do that, right? Yeah, that's actually super important because, as you said, science advances all the time. And uh, we discover as a scientific community roughly 100 to 150 genes that cause disease every single year. So what that translates into is today we can give 10 to 15 percent more people results than we could even a year ago. So this whole idea of reanalyzing data that we generated maybe a year ago, maybe five years ago is incredibly important. And because we recognize that um, we currently have a waitlist on our website where people that already got testing done, any form of genetic testing, can join our waitlist. And um, at some point, we're going to launch a reanalysis service where people can just upload their data and we perform a clinical grade analysis on that to see if we can find something that other people missed. And the expectation is if the data is a year old, for 10 to 15% of people, you'll get a result. If the data is older than a year, it's more people. Um, so if there are people listening to this already got a test done and they didn't get results, um, we'll be able to help them. Yeah, that's actually really cool because I, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, yeah. Because when... So, so I guess it's sort of future proof, right? So, so they really have to have the testing done one time as long as it's, as long as it's properly done. And then as science advances, the information that they gained from that original testing grows. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay. Um, and then I guess like we had mentioned about the, uh, the 23andMe and the ancestry stuff, cause I, that's something that I have, I have heard people bring up, uh, 
is so the results from uh, genetic testing through you guys is is clinical grade. It's it's high quality. It's going to be the same type of or even higher standards maybe than what you would get if you went through the hospital or your primary care physician. Is, is that accurate? Yes. Okay. And so, um, and I guess one of the other things that people, I guess what people need to understand is that this type of testing is, is not necessarily predictive of something happening, right? Is it, is it meant to, to help you identify what's currently going on? Or is it, is yes. it, is it going to yeah. tell you like I have a 20% chance of cancer or a 15% chance of diabetes or something like that? That that's not what this is, right? Yeah. So we, so we could eventually offer, um, you know, risk assessments like that, but our primary interest right now is helping people that are sick. And, um, there is, you know, as I said, there's roughly 30 million, uh, really sick, rare genetic disease patients in the U S and what we try to do is if you submit a sample to us, we will ask you a lot of questions about exactly which symptoms you're experiencing. And then we use that information to find out if there is a mutation that's causing what you have right now. So this is not a, you know, this could, you have a 60% likelihood of something happen to, happening to you over your life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This is, you've got seizures, uh, you're diagnosed with autism, you've got um, complex bowel disorder issues, and you've got hypertension. What the hell is going on? That's what we focus on. So that that would help, uh, like your primary care providers, put together like uh, treatment plans, I guess. Yeah. And and better, and be able to focus on areas without, I guess, with less guesswork. I guess. Yes, exactly. So that's really that's what the ball game is, right? Because at the end of the day, it pains me to say this as a geneticist, but it's totally true. Parents don't care about genetics, right? What you care about is my my child is sick. I want my child to be better. Yeah. And um, genetic testing is just a means to an end. Um, the purpose is find out what the hell is causing these symptoms, so that you can z- then improve the care plan. And you know, fortunately, uh, we're getting a lot better at this stuff. And now, in more than fifty percent of cases of kids with neurodevelopmental concerns, including autism, when they get a genetic testing result, care plans improve as a direct function of that genetic testing result. And this could mean a variety of things. You know, in the best of cases, um, there are treatments which exist, you know, actual drugs that exist that you can give for certain things that the kids are experiencing. So for example, if your kid has um, micro seizures that are constantly happening, that are also tied to your kid's autism, there might be a medication for that that you didn't know about that's actually the right thing to do here. So that's sort of, you know, the best best case example. But then there's a variety of other things which really matter. Um, for example, kids affected by autism are at a higher risk for all kinds of healthcare conditions than other kids are. Um, this particularly includes the risk for cancer. And there are uh, genetic conditions. One is a condition called P10 syndrome, where kids present with autism, so they are, you know, their behavior is consistent with what we describe as autism spectrum disorder, but they are also at a much higher risk for developing certain types of cancer. And for those kids, knowledge is power because if you know my kid is predisposed, predisposed to specific types of cancer, your kid is going to start seeing an oncologist on a much more frequent basis than they would otherwise. Um, another thing that's important is. If you know what's causing your child's symptoms, 
you also know what else might be going on in your kid's body. And there are diagnostic assays which are really important to do if your kid has other things. So, for example, if there is a specific protein that's not being produced which could affect something else in the kid's body, you know that from the genetics and then you can initiate very concrete care steps as a direct function of having the genetic testing result. One of the frustrations that, I, that, that I've had as a parent with Gavin uh, in the past, he's just had the, the microarrays done, um, was that everything would always come back without showing, showing anything. And that's, that's really frustrating for me when, so when you're doing something more in depth, like a, like a, a whole exome sequencing in absence of answers, does, does that still help? I mean, does that sort of check things off the list? Um, if that, if that makes sense. Yes. Maybe I didn't say that. Yes. Right. No, I, I get exactly what you're saying. So the, the short answer is yes. The long answer is yes, but it's important that certain things are true. Um, so the whole exome sequencing test today, or really any genetic test today, when it's done properly, so when you've got a, you know, seriously good team of bioinformaticians looking at the data, then you know that nothing that we can tell you today is causing your child's disease. However, we can say that whatever your kid has is not a genetic condition. Because remember how we talked about how many genes we discover per year? It's just possible that what's causing your child's condition has simply not been discovered today, but maybe it's going to be discovered in five months. So the caveat is, yes, it can tick a box, even if it comes back negative, but it's important that the data is continuously reanalyzed because you want to make sure that um, you don't miss out on getting an answer as a parent just because your kid got tested five months before we would have been able to give you an answer, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. That answers my question. Uh, so I guess um, if people uh, are interested in um, getting genetic testing done, where can they, where can they find you at? Yeah. Um, they can just go to probablygenetic.com. Um, the website should be fairly self-explanatory. There's a big button at the top right where they can request a test. Um, they punch in their information and a few days later, they're going to get shipped a uh, testing kit. Uh, one of the things that, that, that I was helping you guys with was uh, trying to get uh, the survey out there and getting parents feedback. Um, why is it important that you get this type of feedback and information uh, from parents out there that are dealing with things like this? So the we started sharing this particular survey in lots of different communities um, because it teaches us two things. The first one is what's the level of knowledge parents already have on genetic testing because we want to do a really good job at providing educational material on our website. And if we know this is what parents know, we get much better at providing that material. And the second and perhaps most important point is um, we ask parents if they hadn't got, haven't gotten genetic testing done yet, why? Because the science says 80 to 90% of all autism cases are likely caused by genetics, but yet um, something like 10% or less of all kids have had genetic testing done. So we're trying to understand what that discrepancy is. And a big learning already from having the survey out there has been that 25% of parents 
couldn't find a physician that would prescribe testing for them because physicians, you know, if they went to med school over 10 years ago, simply don't know anything about genetics. And so learning this stuff informs key product decisions on our side because had we not known that one out of four parents can't get testing because their physicians won't order it, we would have never built up this uh, nationwide physician network. Um, so t- basically, it teaches us how to create a better service for our parents. Uh, I, I will have in the show notes, I'll have the links to the website as well as um, the survey. Uh, and, and I took the survey myself. Um, and it is in, it is interesting. And it, and it is important because in order to better help families like mine, you know, information uh, about, like you said, why haven't you had genetic testing done? Maybe some people just didn't know that it was important. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe some people didn't realize that autism has genetic links. Uh, yeah. and, and so that helps to, to better educate people and, and inform people as to when it's appropriate and, and when it's, when it's not. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to, to add, uh, before we close things out? Um, yeah, I think the most important thing for me over this, you know, entire journey of building this, um, building the service for families has been talking to families. So if there is anyone out there um, who wants to give us feedback on this um, and, or who's got concerns or who's got questions, um, they can reach out directly to me. Um, my email address is lucas at probablygenetic.com. That's lucas with a K. And if they, yeah, if they got any feedback or if they want to ask anything or they want to let me know, I'm uh, you know, available basically 24-7. You should get some sleep. Probably. <laughs> uh, I drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. My friend Joel drinks a lot of coffee too. He talks about it all the time. I don't particularly, oh. I, I've never had coffee. I, I don't. Uh, really? I've never had coffee. Yeah. I was just talking about that with somebody else. I, You've I had, never once had coffee? No, I've never had coffee. Um, That's crazy. I, when I was a kid, there was a grocery store that we used to go to and they had these free, now it'd be like totally unsanitary, but used to have this big bowl of jelly beans you could reach in and just grab a handful out of samples. Yeah. And, and I did that once when I was like I don't know, five years old or whatever. And, and it was coffee flavored jelly beans. And, and it was just that experience just turned me off to the whole, to the whole thing. So I, I've never had, uh, I've never had coffee. That is not that anybody didn't know I've that. But... Never had coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Caffeine maybe, but not, 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 not coffee. Um, wow. I'll, I'll add all of your information in the show notes so the people can contact you on Twitter or, um, if you want, I can add the email address to the, to the, uh, to the notes so that people mm-hmm. can contact you directly. And I think that's really good that you're accessible, uh, so, so yeah. that people can ask questions, um, or feel they can ask questions. So Lucas, I really appreciate, uh, a, what, what you guys are doing for families like mine and for taking the time to go round two on this show. Uh, and, and I think we made it through without anything catastrophic happening. So, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. so again, yeah, I really do appreciate it, man. And, uh, I look forward to, to having the results back, uh, for Gavin and for Emmett, because it's been a long, long journey. Uh, I know. And we're excited to hopefully get some results for you. So we'll, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You should, I mean, it should be, should be pretty soon. So, yeah, I, I appreciate everything and, uh, I hope you have a, Oh, it's Thursday, Thursday. So have a great Friday and then a great weekend. Yeah. And thank you so much for everything you do, Rob. We all really appreciate it here. No, it's no problem. I really appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Bye. Uh, 
Uh, before I close things out today, I just wanted to take a moment and thank Lucas for coming on the show for a second time. First time we had disastrous audio issues. Um, for taking the time to come on the show and and helping to educate us uh, about the role that genetics play in things like autism, why genetic testing is important, and uh, and making us aware of the things that they're doing to make it more accessible. Uh, so I really appreciate that, Lucas. Um, you can find them at probablygenetic.com. I'll have Lucas's information in the show notes below. Uh, as always, you can find me at theautismdad.com. My social links are at the top of the page. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter. I don't really pay attention to the other things. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast via your favorite podcast listening app. Just look up The Autism Dad and hit subscribe. It'll make my day. Uh, I would really appreciate that. Uh, you can also support the podcast. There'll be a link in the description where you can click uh, to uh, support my efforts should you feel the need to do so. Uh, outside of that, I hope you guys have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strengthened connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U dot com, and be sure to use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.